Hello and welcome to Season 2 of the Leading Through Uncertainty podcast. I'm Jude Jennison, founder of Leaders by Nature and host of this podcast, and I'm the author of the book Leading Through Uncertainty. In this series, I'll be delving into each of the chapters of the book and exploring what's the context of uncertainty, what are some of the challenges we face, and what are the habits and leadership behaviours that we need to adopt in order to navigate uncertainty more easily. In the last six episodes of season two, I've explored the context of uncertainty that we find ourselves in today and some of the emotional challenges that uncertainty throws up for us. The good news is from here on in, it gets a bit more chirpy because we're into um, section three, part three of the book now, chapters seven to 14, and they include eight leadership skills that are particularly important in uncertainty. And this is based on the conversations and the interviews that I did with CEOs as part of research for my book. What was interesting was that, I mean, I could have picked thousands of leadership skills and and, and people often say, well, why why these particular eight? And, and the answer for that is these eight skills were skills that came up repeatedly in my research that people said were really important to help them stay sane in uncertainty. And interestingly, they're also the eight skills that repeatedly people found the hardest to do when faced with uncertainty and and when faced with the emotional challenges that uncertainty brings. So over the course of the next eight weeks, I'll be covering each one of these chapters. So this is chapter seven, and it's called Creating the Framework. And without exception, this chapter was one that almost everybody that I interviewed named as being really important in uncertainty. And not everybody used the words creating the framework, but the the content within this chapter was content that came up in nearly all of my interviews with CEOs that helped them make sense of the uncertainty and stay much more grounded in it. And it starts with a quote, as as usual, um, and it's something that that I often say, which is a framework provides familiarity and certainty for people to cling to and offers some support in the midst of uncertainty. And so um, I, I go on into to reading the chapter now. How do I lead the horse? Does it matter which side I lead from? Can I talk to the horse? Do I need to go clockwise or anti-clockwise around the arena? How do I hold the lead rope? Am I allowed to? How do I lead? How fast do I go? I often face a barrage of questions from clients when they arrive at the stables for a Leadership with Horses session. They're faced with the uncertainty of an unknown environment, with a new team, with a species they don't know or understand. I mean, there's nothing sensible on paper about being given feedback on your leadership skills from a horse. I set clear guidelines around physical safety so that people can manage their safety and I explain that it's their personal responsibility to determine their boundaries of emotional safety. That often comes as a surprise to people. I provide clear instructions on not standing behind a horse in case it kicks and not allowing a horse to chew clothing. But how people lead, how close they stand 
or what they tolerate is their responsibility because everyone will have different boundaries. The need for certainty and clarity in moments of uncertainty is great. At one end of the scale, some people respond by asking lots of questions, terrified of making assumptions and getting it wrong. They need to know exactly how to do something to avoid failure. This can lead to paralysis and slow down the process of getting going. The fear of stepping out of the comfort zone prevents them from doing anything that they don't know how to do. If they're not sure how to do something, they hold back, unwilling to risk failure or their safety. There's a desire for someone else to articulate the boundaries and provide detailed guidelines to create a level of certainty and safety. At the opposite end of the scale, other people dive in with no knowledge or understanding, no framework and no clear idea of the expectations. They may make assumptions that are invalid or impose boundaries that prevent them from succeeding. They may not pay attention to what is happening around them, causing them to go off track, leading to prevarication and chaos. Sometimes they have no boundaries, requiring me to repeatedly point out physical safety issues. At one end of the spectrum is paralysis through fear. At the other is chaos and a lack of safety. Somewhere in between lies the framework for your leadership. The balance of certainty and uncertainty. A balance is needed between the two. It can feel as though there is no foundation if everything appears to be in chaos. There are always people, things and situations that are certain and it's important to identify those things in moments of chaos and confusion because they provide a support structure. Creativity occurs at its best within a framework. In the absence of a framework, chaos ensues. While researching for this book, I interviewed a number of CEOs from different sectors and businesses. A common theme among all of them was the recognition that things have always been uncertain and that we need the skills to navigate the uncertainty. But organisations are not clear what those skills are. Saying we need more leadership in business is common, but it's too vague, especially since there's no definitive view of what leadership is. The pace of change makes us more aware of uncertainty. It's not a new phenomenon, but it's more prevalent than ever before. Most of the CEOs I interviewed felt very comfortable navigating uncertainty, and some of them recognised that this was not the case for their employees. I asked them whether the absence of a boss influenced how comfortable they felt with uncertainty. Their response was that they were accountable to the stock market and shareholders and as such felt the pressure as much as anyone. It became clear that there's something about the nature of a CEO that means they embrace change more readily than people at other levels of the organisation. Perhaps it has something to do with them leading from the front and feeling more certain of the direction they're heading. They rarely experience a feeling of being done to that those at other levels of an organisation may experience. Their greater certainty allows them to flex more easily with more understanding and influence on what that framework is. How can you create more certainty for you and your team as a framework for flexibility? Where can you provide more clarity, direction and purpose? When everything seems uncertain, many of the CEOs I interviewed looked for the things that were certain as a coping strategy to help them navigate the discomfort. In this way, they rarely felt that everything was in total turmoil. Instead, they relied on what was known and understood and used that as a foundation for moving forward into the unknown. They gained comfort from knowing that there were some things they could influence and they would focus on those things, trusting that they could handle the uncertain things when the time came. 
we clearly need to balance certainty and uncertainty and find a way to embrace uncertainty without fueling the discomfort. Creating the framework. Balance and a framework enable teams to operate together effectively in times of uncertainty. Having clear boundaries and guidelines allows them to be agile and flexible while providing safety and security for everyone. Uncertainty requires a new set of skills and a framework within which to flex and operate. In the absence of a defined vision, guidelines, boundaries and roles, teams encounter disconnection, disengagement, disagreements and confusion. Differences of opinion may lead to chaos, prevarication and lengthy meetings that go round and round with no clear outcome and no shared responsibility for success. A framework helps leaders and teams lead with more ease and flow. It requires a presence and a willingness from each person to act in the service of the whole, as well as an ability to self-manage in moments of discomfort. The desire for self-protection is in direct response to the vulnerability and discomfort of uncertainty. A loose framework that can be evolved by the group enables leadership to flow more easily and reduces the insecurity of not knowing. The framework provides a level of clarity something that a team can hold on to, knowing the shared boundaries within which they can operate. This provides security and stability for people to cling to. It reduces the vulnerability of being out of the comfort zone and supports dialogue and conversation. There are many different ways of providing a framework through values, guidelines for how the team will work and clear expectations and objectives. The more clarity you can provide in terms of times of uncertainty, the more people can relax within what is unknown, as they have something to hang on to. The primary leadership model I work with is called Three Positions of Leadership, and it provides a framework for how a team can work. It's based on how a herd of horses operate naturally in the wild, and maps onto what is needed for a high-performing human team. It consists of three primary roles. The first is leading from the front where you provide the clarity, direction and purpose, the what, where and why, as well as setting the pace. A clear strategy and defined objectives make it easier to flex in the process, which is the how. And that's the second position, leading from the middle. This is the how and it requires flexibility and communication. It's about execution and the middle is where the majority of the team work together collaborating together, providing support for each other as and when they need it. It requires attention to the whole as well as focus on where you're going. The third position is leading from behind. Leading from behind creates the momentum and helps everyone stay on track. The leader at the back can also see which parts of the team or organisation need more focus and can provide support and guidance where needed. All three positions are needed in a cohesive team and more details on this leadership model can be downloaded from my website in the form of a white paper called Three Positions of Leadership. I also explain it more extensively in my first book, Leadership Beyond Measure. In an interview with Sandra Scott, the president of Verisk Maplecroft, in 2017, she explained how she leads from the front, and I quote, I have one rallying cry for my team that is the highest priority that my team focus on. It helps us have a framework that keeps people grounded. The framework provides the certainty within which we can flex. It's really hard to be flexible if you don't know what the boundaries are within which you're flexing. 
you need to be able to pivot quickly so you already understand the implications you can act more quickly and be more flexible and agile end of quote Sandra's team understand the importance of working together towards a common goal or objective and that helps them navigate the uncertainty of the how Sandra went on to explain how her team lead from the middle and I quote again People associate uncertainty with fear and see it as a bad thing. You can get paralysed if you don't conquer the fear. The best way to conquer fear is to dissect it, understand it and identify the worst case scenario. Then you can start to take action to protect yourself and reduce the risks. It becomes easier to lead once you have the scenarios mapped out because you know the worst case scenario is uh, is avoidable. End of quote. So however you build a framework... It sets the guidelines for how we work and what we do. Another key component of any framework is your values, which can guide you on how to operate. For example, when applying for a new role, you can decide whether the company is a good good fit for you. Notice what language they use in the job description, as well as the interview and every interaction you have. If you have a value around collaboration, and much of the conversation is around personal gain, there might be a mismatch. Your values set the tone for the team or organisation you lead, as well as your own decisions, and they should be demonstrable in everyday actions. Organisations often define company values that provide a framework for, for how people work. One of the challenges with this is that the reality doesn't always match the words that have been written. If you define values as a team or organisation, it's important to live and breathe them. Otherwise, trust, trust is broken and the words are meaningless. For example, if the organisation has a value around innovation, there needs to be space for people to make mistakes and learn through trial and error. Self-awareness. Uncertainty offers imperfect choices. I'm going to say that again. Uncertainty offers imperfect choices. There's no right, right or wrong way because uncertainty is by its very nature untried and untested. It's an opportunity to try something new pay attention to the results, recalibrate and modify where needed in both the doing and the being. And this level of flexibility can often feel at odds with meeting tangible goals and targets. Senior leaders often tell me that they want their teams to think for themselves and be more self-sufficient, but often they don't give them the space to do so. Empowerment requires space and time. It involves delegating effectively and trusting that people will find their own way even when things don't go according to plan. Employees are rarely provided enough clarity and direction and even more rarely given the space to resolve issues in their own way. We need to shift from a culture of interfering when things go wrong to allowing space for people to work things out. When you provide a framework of clear boundaries, guidelines and values there's an opportunity for people to work things out. How do you embrace uncertainty in a way that doesn't add energy to the struggle, but instead creates a framework for safety within which people can flex? If we accept that uncertainty generates strong emotions, how do you equip leaders to be skilled in handling those emotions? This is the challenge we face when leading through uncertainty. While uncertainty may generate strong reactions in those around you, it also impacts and influences your leadership. You're not immune from stress and fear any more than anyone else. How do you encourage people to be human again in moments of uncertainty? 
When you encourage natural leadership and authentic behaviour to be present in every moment, you create a transparency that enables people to relax into their leadership without the anxiety of needing to be the perfect leader. How do you allow yourself to have emotions in relationships with others, knowing that your emotions influence them and your leadership? People who lack self-awareness are often oblivious to the struggle of others around them. What can we learn from these people? They have a tendency to float through life, not necessarily being easy to work with, but they lack the anxiety that comes with self-awareness. Self-awareness can create further anxieties. People try to behave as they believe they should, in quotes, behave. In the desire to be self-aware, we can increase the struggle of uncertainty as we aim to be the, quote, perfect leader. Self-awareness needs to be balanced with self-control and requires a letting go of blame, judgment and criticism, especially of yourself. The tendency towards self-flagellation has no place in leadership. You'll be pleased to know. True self-awareness involves noticing the patterns of behaviour that you exhibit, the impact they have, and then the choice to do something about it if it's not what you want. The choices you make become the framework for operating in uncertainty. Your values and beliefs, when articulated, provide a structure for people to rely on. Learning and growth starts with self-awareness. Behavioural change can only occur when we deepen the awareness of how we behave and make choices about how we want to behave and the impact we want to have on others. When teams have the confidence and trust to give feedback without judgement, they help each other build self-awareness and develop new skills. And I'm going to share with you a case study from, and this was from a director of a financial services company who, who brought their team. The team came to work with the horses and found the learning enlightening. When they returned to the office, they used the shared experience as a framework for giving each other feedback without judgment or criticism. Whenever someone said or did something that the rest of the team did not like, they would jokingly say, I think if you were trying to move a horse right now, they wouldn't come with you. Everyone laughs, remembers the experience, and the person concerns remembers how to flex their approach. It's become an office joke that relaxes everyone and relieves tension while giving feedback to try a different approach. It removes any judgment and it allows the individual to decide if and how to change their style. And I think that's important because it's about empowering people to pay attention to their impact and then make a decision about whether they make a change. Self-control. In a fast-paced environment, it's easy to get caught up in the information and speed. Self-awareness and self-control enable leaders to pay attention to what is needed in service of the whole, rather than driving one's own agenda. When working with the horses, the desire to connect with them can often cause people to work pur walk purposefully towards them. The horses can feel threatened by the intensity of this and often move away. By being aware of their impact, a team can slow down their pace and provide space for the horses to move towards them. This demonstrates how we can create an environment where people want to belong and how we can attract the results we want, rather than constantly pushing and striving for them. Having a sense of purpose and attracting others towards that purpose generates results more organically and minimises stress on teams. Self-control doesn't mean you have to suppress all of your immediate thoughts and feelings. 
It involves paying attention to your needs and the needs of others and acting in service of the whole. And by that, I mean speaking honestly about your own needs whilst respecting the needs of others. Clear boundaries. Connection is not the same as relationship and friendship. It's important to be clear what you're wanting to create and why. People often avoid connection in the workplace because they fear becoming embroiled in a friendship that doesn't feel appropriate. In trying to set clear boundaries, people often create barriers and cause disconnection. Connections can be created across a room full of people and maybe as simple as a glance. It indicates a sense of deep knowing and seeing another person as they are, and it allows them to see you in that moment too. Connection can be created at a deep level on a momentary basis and doesn't necessarily result in a long-term relationship or friendship. And once people realise that, they're less afraid of the intimacy of connection and are able to set boundaries rather than barriers. Now, everyone will hold their boundaries differently. When leaders are clear and consistent with their boundaries, they create, create deeper levels of connection based on trust and respect with the knowledge that they can communicate with clarity around their needs. Clear boundaries enable leaders to influence others without curb, curbing or coercion. They articulate their needs knowing that the connection goes beyond any challenges they're facing and allows them to reach alignment. Often people relax their boundaries out of a desire to be flexible. Boundaries provide clarity around what is okay and what is not. If you flex your boundaries too much, Others may take advantage of you and your needs may not be met. Alternatively, if you hold your boundaries too strongly, you might be seen as inflexible and difficult to collaborate with. And equally with this approach, your needs won't be met either. Boundaries change as the organisation and world around you changes or as you gain new insights and information. Leaders who articulate their boundaries provide clarity and a structure for others to operate within. And this creates a certainty within the uncertainty. So boundaries in this way provide the framework of what's acceptable behaviour and interaction, and they're essential in times of uncertainty. They're defined based on your values, beliefs and experience, and they may differ substantially from the boundaries of others. That's okay, there's no right or wrong way to set boundaries, but clarity around them enables dialogue which can minimise the polarisation and conflict. Often when something doesn't feel right, you might not have sufficient information to articulate why, but it may be because the situation is at odds with your personal values. When your values are not honoured, your boundaries are also often crossed. Where are your boundaries not being honoured? With the pressure of work intensifying, many people have continued to relax their boundary around what is an acceptable level of workload. Work-related stress and burnout are often the result of not being able to say no. Unrealistic deadlines and an incessant volume of work challenge our boundaries on an almost daily basis. Holding your boundaries is essential as a leader and requires a willingness to walk away if they're not upheld. If you don't uphold your boundaries, it results in stress and overwhelm. In moments of uncertainty, leaders can ease the discomfort for their teams and organisations by articulating the certainty and thereby making people feel more secure. Clarity and open dialogue around boundaries, risks and values can minimise misunderstandings and provide comfort to those who struggle with the perceived chaos of uncertainty. 
The easier leaders make it for their teams to navigate uncertainty, the more quickly those teams will move forward with greater confidence. And that brings that chapter to a close. And I think you know, what's important here is that people will often say, well, I can't hold my boundaries because that person's more senior to me. And actually, that's even more important in those moments that we do hold our boundaries, that we need to be clear and consistent about what is acceptable and what isn't. For some, it may be acceptable to check your emails at 6am or 11pm. And for others, it's not acceptable. And that's okay. It needs, it, it needs to be understood. And the more we have dialogue around our boundaries, the more we can start to understand each other. So I hope that chapter has been useful to help you make sense of how you create a framework and how you particularly provide some clarity and some uncertainty that makes it easier for your team and your organisation when they are navigating uncertainty. That's it this week. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and you'd like to read the full chapter, you can download a copy of it from my website at judejennison.com forward slash podcasts. Or if you'd like to hear real live stories of leaders who've led through uncertainty and how they've overcome their challenges, check out season one of this podcast, episodes one to 35, where I interview leaders from a variety of organisations on their experiences. There are some truly inspirational stories from leaders there. I'm Jude Jennison, host of the Leading Through Uncertainty podcast and founder of Leaders by Nature. Keep leading and I'll come back soon with the next chapter of my book, Leading Through Uncertainty.